Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Amen. Well, let's pray. Ask God to open our hearts this morning to hear the message. Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy toward us. Lord, we really were able to bask in that this morning. God, what a wonderful time of worship and, Lord, hearing your word. Lord, being reminded of your goodness and your grace, your mercy. Jesus, we're just so grateful, Lord, that you're alive and you're well and you're sitting on the throne. And we can see you just leaning forward, anticipating that time when the Father releases you, Lord, to bring the kingdom to its fulfillment. Lord, here and now, Lord, we are in expectation. But, Lord, we're also here, God, to fulfill that mandate, that commission that you've given us, Lord. God, to be salt and light. God, to change the world. Lord, to be believers who follow your ways. Lord, we know we have challenges. And there is no doubt, God, whether it be because of marriage, Lord, or individual issues, things that, God, we are encouraging or I'm uh, experiencing. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that you'd help us take another step, Lord, in that direction of wholeness. God, of being prepared for what you want us to do. God, to experience the fullness of joy that you want us to have, Lord, coupled with that fulfillment of purpose. So, Lord, bless this time this morning. Open our hearts to hear the message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you know, more and more, we are definitely seeing, you know, that science is discovering. And, you know, you've heard me say this many, many times, but I love it. I I really love... um, Watching God just uh, foil the plans of the intelligent and the, the scientist and, and only just always coming back that the Bible's right, that the Bible, that God's ancient wisdom is, is current wisdom, that God's ways are higher than our ways in any ways that we can invent. And uh, if you dig into that wisdom, and so more and more we're learning that as we study the scripture and as we look at the advice and the wisdom of God, as we apply it to our life, we're going to experience health. And it's really the secret to maintaining a healthy soul. And that's the message today. If we'll just slow down and apply that biblical truth, then we're going to begin to see a much greater peace. You know, how much is peace worth to us today? I mean, how much is it really, really worth? You know, we, we invent holidays. We take vacations. We do different things. Everything we can to try to manufacture peace when, you know what, it's free. It can be had at any moment when we put our hope and trust in God and we follow his ways. He wants to give us that greater peace and that joy that's flowing into our life. And so this morning I want to look at three points today that will help us along in that journey, just to continue to encourage you. All right? So first of all, step one or point one is we've got to have a healthy mind, all right? We've got to take a, a moment to look at our, our minds. And in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what is going on, and of course the heart and the mind connected, of course, but our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions And so what is going on inside our mind generally is going to determine the course of our life. It's going to, you know, so as we begin to dig dig into our mind, as we even think about our idle thoughts, 
really that should be our own litmus test. We should be able to look at that and say, okay, that, if, if my mind is constantly dwelling on negative things, then that's generally who I am. I mean, and that's, that's kind of a hard wake-up call. But it is something we need to, to recognize. That's what the Bible tells us. It's who we are. So there's much dealing with the health of the mind today. And I'm here to boldly tell you, I mean, boldly tell you, that much, I believe that much of the struggle that man has in his mind is a direct result of ignoring one's need for forgiveness and the healing that comes when we understand and embrace it, okay? And so, you know, even recently I was talking to a young man and I was, he was talking to me and he was saying, Pastor David, you know, I understand these things, but how can I forgive myself? And you've heard me say this before, and, and I've wrestled with other pastors over this language myself, but, I, you know, look, after as much time and counseling I have spent in reading the Scripture, I just firmly stand on this truth that, that I, or, you know, my theological understanding here is that there's only two kinds of forgiveness, and it's the forgiveness that is given, okay? The forgiveness that's given from heaven, and the forgiveness that we give toward one another, and forgiveness that is received, okay? The forgiveness that is received from God himself. So when we say that I'm having a difficult time forgiving myself, I don't think that's a biblical concept, to be honest with you, okay? And I know that there are teachers and people out there that use that. You've probably even said it yourself, but can I, can I get in there and correct that just for a moment and just tell you that it's, it's, you don't have the power to forgive yourself? Did you die on the cross for yourself? No, you didn't. And so you need a Savior. I need a Savior. And so when we, we get stuck on that, that little that, that thing going around, I just can't forgive myself of the past. I just can't. That's not what you're really meaning, okay? What you're really crying out for is that, that you will receive, understand, and, 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 and with finality say, I am forgiven by God. And when that, is, when that takes place inside you, it has a very powerful effect. It begins... To heal your mind. It begins to go in there. That is the part that I can't explain. That's, it's the part that I have experienced, you have experienced, but we can, just can't explain it. And, and much of God's word is that way. He just says, look, um, I'm not going to explain this to you. You just need to do what I tell you to do. Now, what's the funny thing is that science continues to show a lot of the whys. But Bottom line is what God wants in us is just the commitment to truth and to just trust him, okay? We'll give you some examples of that here in just a second, but C.S. Lewis said, when you come to knowing God, the initiative lies on his side. If he does not show himself, nothing you can do will enable you to find him. And in fact, he shows, shows much more of himself to some people than to others, not because of his favorites, but because it is impossible for him to show himself to a man or a woman whose whole mind and character are in the wrong condition. Just as sunlight, though it has no favorites, cannot be reflected in a dusty mirror as clearly as a clean one. That's good, isn't it? The understanding of uh, the more that we're able to clean up our minds, so to speak, then are we able to perceive the ways of God. We're able to understand the ways of God. But when we get them cluttered with half-truths or, or lies that we've bitten into, especially when I think of this person 
And, and I've heard this many, many times. So I'm not just saying this one that I heard recently, but and you may, as I said, if you've said this in the past, then it, it's something that like that, that mouse that's on the wheel just going around and round and round, making no distance, no, no progress, that you can't forgive yourself. When in fact, all we need to do is to stop and say, Lord, you've forgiven me. Let him come and clean your mirror. Let him come and clean your soul. So a healthy mind is so key. But how do we get there? I, I, as I said, I really believe it's, it, that a healthy mind comes from a relationship with God. It comes through that doorway and that intimacy with Jesus Christ and letting him come into our thinking. 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I love that, that uh, translation there, a sound mind. I mean, amen, isn't that what we want? We want a sound mind. And, you know, we've all had those times when you feel like, you maybe even said that, am I going out of my mind? Or am I confused about something? Or you forget something? And, your mind, and our minds can betray us. But what it says here is that God has not given us that spirit of fear. Because, see, fear can be the very thing that comes in the door, whether it be a fear of God not loving us or a fear of, of that somehow think oh, really bad things are going to happen to me, um, then that just opens the door to a torment that is not what Jesus died on the cross for us to have. Okay? But what he has given us is power. And what is that power? Power of forgiveness, of course. The power to speak in his name over our circumstances. The power of his love. His love that can come through us. See, fear robs the mind of peace. And when God tells us to be anxious for nothing, there in Philippians 4, 6, but through prayer and petition, he says, let your requests be known to him. He's asking us to leave it in his hands permanently. To leave it in his hands. And that means no more cogitating, no more thinking, no trying to figure out how this whole thing is going to work out. See, that's the simplicity of faith, isn't it? a very childlike faith. Don't you love how children can just forget things so quickly? Well, not all the time, but you know what I'm saying? That it's amazing how children can recover from, um, from one minute they can be over there going, ah, you know, it's the end of the world. But then over there just like, happy, happy, happy. And it just astounds me when I watch my four-year-old able to do that. It's very childlike. And in the same way, We've got to, we've got, we, I mean, we go through a difficult time. Then all we need to do is say to my soul, why are you so unhappy? Let's put our hope in God. Or if you've got this issue that's sitting there weighing on your mind, it's weighing on your mind, you're letting it go over and over in your mind, when we need to just stop and just say, God, I've got an issue here. I'm trying to be anxious, but you tell me I shouldn't be anxious about anything, but I should just give it to you. See? And these are very, are, are biblical, very healthy practices. Very simple. Isn't it amazing that it's not complex? That God doesn't say, read these six books, chant these six incantations, do this, do that, and then maybe, just maybe, you'll, your mind will you, you'll, you'll experience some peace? When God says, just give it to me, isn't that awesome? Jesus said the same thing. He said, your burden is heavy. He says, my burden is light. And I thought about that one time. I thought, wow. Jesus, I don't understand that because your burden, I mean, you carry the burdens of the earth. How can that be light in comparison to mine? It's because what he does with them. 
It's because he knows he's able to just say, you know what, my daddy's got everything in charge. See, the confidence of knowing that God is in charge has an immediate effect on your sense of well-being and your sense of hope for the future. And so we're supposed to do the exact same thing. That's what we're encouraged to do, to just say, God, this is in your hands, you know? As a father, as a husband, that is my job in my house, okay? It is my job to man the door when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I I do that at lunch, I do that at dinner, I do it at breakfast, I do it at night. And when I see a wave of fear coming over my home, or I see, you know, my kids struggling with different things or battling, it is my job to step in there and to just say, look, let's not do this. Let's not give in to fear. Let's stop this talk. Let's go. Either we're going to pray over that thing, or we're just going to say, look, or just encourage them. Look, let's just trust God. A lot of times we spend a, a matter of fact, I believe 80% of the worry and the struggle that we have is just complete wasted human energy. Because a lot of times the things we worry about never end up happening. Never end up happening. I mean, what a cruel trick to be played upon us by the enemy. To get us worrying about things so that we're not focused on the things that he is doing. Driving into work, coming into to church this morning, into work today, and Ben and I were just talking and we have our little conversations. You know Ben, he just, boy, he likes getting, I'm giving five minutes and he's into something deep. And so I told him, I said, you know, son, because what it was is we were talking about how, how when you're young, time seems to go real slow. And then as you get older, it goes real fast. And then Ben asked me, he goes, well, Dad, when does it start going real fast for me? Don't you love that? And I said, I don't know, but you'll know when it starts happening. Uh, but I, I didn't stop there. I said, you know, son, I said, the truth is this. And I looked at him, and Andrew was listening in too. And I said, guys, I said, you need to enjoy every moment. I said, even though time starts to speed up, I said, man, you've got to put your hand on the brake. Because when you're a kid, you live by minutes. As you get older, you start living by the hours. But for me, I'm living by the months. I mean, you know, when you plan, you're month ahead, man. It's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to live in December yet. I've got to live November, right? Slow, slow down. Anyway, fear can rob us, can steal from us, worrying about things that we have no business worrying about. Jesus said, look, you know, I take care of the birds of the air, and they seem to flutter around and have a very good time. Take it easy. You know, another aspect of our mind and how it can be affected is legalism. Legalism can also rob the mind. If we're always trying to earn God's love and favor, then we fall into the devil's trap. See, if you have to do things, now catch this statement here. All right, because some of you have grown up in this, you've been steeped in this, and I've had some conversations with individuals, you know, because it's just hard to get grace into places where a lot of, 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 of works theology and works, uh, uh, the works gospel has been pressed into you. But catch this statement. If you have to do things to feel loved and spiritual, then you do not understand the grace of God. If you have to, you know, when I talk about reading the Bible and you just like, oh, you walk out the door and say, well, God doesn't love me until I start reading my Bible. Wrong. You're here today. If you, if you walk out and feel like you've punched a love card and that God loves you more because you came here today, wrong. God can't love you any more than he loves you right now. And nothing you do will change that. 
I don't see anybody going. No, I see you going. And, and that's because that's how, how deeply embedded in, in, inside you it is. I, I, man, I know it. See, grace is God's unmerited favor. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, God, God's, this is in the Bible. That he chose you. You didn't choose him. It says he, you are forgiven by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. If you're living your life on what you do and how you've tried to earn God, well, then there's some of you here in this room who've got a little more of an edge on the other. Matter of fact, I might even be able to call you on that. All right, how many of you got saved at 17 and have been preaching the word since you were 17 years old and been doing it for the last 30 some odd years? How many of you have done that? I mean, if we started getting into a, let's, you know, take out our good works and measure them, because that's exactly what he's saying that the scripture completely forbids, and it said it's not even true. And see, this legalism, when we start to believe it, to bite into that, and see, the Judaizers were Paul's enemies. And he wrote the book of Galatians and the book of Colossians, particularly attacking those lies that were beginning to invade the church even at that time. And he said, if you, he says, man, who has bewitched you that you feel like you have to earn the favor of God when Jesus died on the cross? When he said, it is finished, he said, it is finished. Are you going to so now continue on to try? I mean, are you now into this works gospel again? And that's exactly what the Judaizers were trying to do. They were, what they were trying to do is say, look, look, we, we believe in this Jesus, and this is all fine and good, but the law still has to exist. And he said, nope. He said, he fulfilled that, the ceremonial. And you know what you find is that legalists, and as I'll refer to those, and maybe you got a little of that in your own heart, legalists are not very happy people. Why? Because you can never, ever measure up. You want to play the works game, you'll never, you'll never catch up. There'll never be enough. The moment when you feel like you've, you've, you've got your, your works tank all filled up, man, you, you came to the... Uh, and served at the trunk or treat, and man, you were involved in expand, and you've been doing this, you've been doing that, you're involved in a small group, and bop, 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 you get it all stacked up. Then why, after all of that, are you still not happy? What's going on? It's because you are looking at those things completely from the wrong perspective. If you're trying to do to earn favor from God, again, it'll never be enough. Our good works are a result, okay, of our love for God. They are the product of the grace of God. I do them because, you know what? I am now free to do them. I do them because I want to please him. I don't try to earn anything. I like making him happy. You see? I'll explain this a little bit more. Legalists at their heart are still trying to figure out the love of God. And that's really what it comes down to. See, if you've not had a lot of experience in love in your life, then there's something broken inside you. And that going to just to that mechanical works thing is what we'll gravitate toward. See, love, when I hug my son, when I hold my, and, and hold my daughters and, and I'm filling up their love tank with just, just their daddy whispering in the ear, I love you. And, and, it's, and there's no but. And there's no if. You know what I mean? I don't say, honey, I love you if you keep doing what I tell you to do. Uh-uh. It'll never change. Now, do they disappoint me? Sure. Do, do we disappoint God from time to time? Yes, we do. 
but does that change the fact that he's your daddy? No. He'd, he'd like to get a hold of us and say, look, we haven't, con- we haven't talked in a long time. And we need to sit down because, look, there's a lot of struggles in your life that we could take care of together if you would just bring them to me, if we could talk about these things, if you would dig a little further in my word, I can give you a lot more peace and joy if you'll just spend more time looking at those things. But that doesn't affect my love for you. I mean, isn't that what a real daddy or a mama does? You know, they say about that you got a face that only a mama can love, Right? Where do we get that? It's because we know that a mama's love is unconditional. Isn't that right? And if we are that as human beings, God is that way a hundred times more. Maybe thousands of times. Again, trying to figure out the love of God and have a hard time receiving forgiveness. I mean, I need to get going here. Forgiveness because no one is really failing more than the legalist. See, grace is knowing that God is always happy with you. Maybe not your ways, but sometimes those do make him sad, and, but he is definitely for us. He loves us, and he'll never give up on us. See, that's why God, and when it's in the Scripture, it says God sees us uh, redeemed, but he sees us glorified all in one look. See, that's how God looks at us, and that's awesome. God sees us complete. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Let's talk about our healthy language. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the heart, the mouth speaks. And of course, we could do a whole series on this, and I should. In Luke chapter, chapter 6, verse 45, it says that. That our mouth will eventually betray our heart condition. So wherever it is, those, that, that mouth is going to come out. And even if you say, well, well, I'm just in a bad mood, or I, I just say, no, nah, a lot of times. Again, what comes out of our mouth is telling us what is the condition of our heart. And again, what we've been dwelling on eventually. So we know our mind is key, but eventually it's going to start coming out of our mouth so that we really know. Our, our language is a reflection of our heart condition. You know, James teaches that our language affects the direction of our thinking. More than that, it is going to affect the direction of your life. If you talk negatively, I write here, get ready, Spanky. You're going to get the bull and the horns, okay? That is what is going on. When we speak negatively all the time, then what we are doing is unleashing because that expectation is invitation. What we expect, what we speak is what opens the door. James said it's like that little rudder or that little match, that little fire that can just set the whole forest on fire. Or it can, the rudder, it directs our life, he says. And then he talks about it being a fire that sets the whole course of our life on fire. And then he goes on to say something that's very interesting and shocking. And he said, and that's been set on fire by the devil himself. So if we're going to take that all the way back, a lot of times a negative speech that's coming out of there is just the enemy planting negative thoughts into our minds. And the moment we speak them, then we connect the thought with speech. And that's going to have a very creative, powerful effect. We already know the power of our words, right? You speak something negatively to some a person we're going to remember those things for a long time, if not all of our lives. And it takes 10 words of encouragement often to undo the work of one negative word. That's pretty amazing. 
so in the end, we can use the power of our speech, whether it be negative, and negative in this case, is to create chaos and struggle and broken relationships and lost opportunities. However, if we use our tongue to speak faith and hope and love, no one will benefit more than you and me. We speak faith. We speak encouragement. We speak and remind ourselves of the love of God. Then we attract it. We encourage it. We expect it. You know, I write in here, do you got a potty mouth? You know, some of us can do that. An unclean language does offend others, but it also offends your own heart. It leaves a smudge on your mirror, your glass. And you're going to be hindered just a bit from seeing God the way that you would like him to. And I, I only just mention that because we're talking about language. And that we should put a guard on our tongue and we should be careful what we're speaking and how we're speaking it and who we're speaking it to. Ultimately, speaking the word of God is the very best way to train our tongue and therefore our mind. Because let's just turn it around. Sometimes if we'll just take a hold of our tongue and begin speaking the truth, speaking the word of God, that is actually going to have a reverse effect. It will begin to impact our mind. And that's what the word teaches us. Psalm 119, 9 through 16. I recount your word. I speak it that it might affect my heart. So if you've got, you're, you're dealing with issues, you're battling with, you know, with things, begin speaking the word of God. Again, it's going to be retroactive. It's going to go and it's going to affect the attitude. It's like that little rudder. You just start turning that into the ways of God. Begin to see your mind begin reflecting and thinking and doing that as well. Let's talk about healthy relationships to finish. Healthy relationships are key to maintaining a healthy soul. That is without question. You have to, often we have to live a lot of years before we really know that's true. As young people, a lot of times we, we're so quick in, to get in and out of relationships and friendships. But what we do is after a period of time, we begin to see that, you know, if we're acting like a jerk, if we're not treating people kindly, and we begin to see our allies and our friends begin to grow less and less, or the ones we seem to be hanging out with are worse than us, then we begin to wake up and begin to realize, you know what, relationships are pretty important. Especially when you need someone to cry, somebody's shoulder to cry upon, isn't that right? You know, the church is very unique in that way. The church is very powerful because, you know, the Bible says, look, you have to love one another regardless because we walk in off the street and man, we're broken and maybe we got a ton of broken relationships out there and we finally come to the end of ourselves and say, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this and we come walking into the church and, and we got to learn and we got to grow and we got to fight through these things. Matter of fact, it's within the church, I believe it's the hardest place on the planet to maintain healthy relationships. No doubt in my mind. <laughs> no doubt. Maybe I didn't believe that at the beginning, but I certainly believe that now keeping short accounts. In other words, as we let things go and we let things build up, when we let disappointments, discouragements, disagreements, and downright offenses load up inside us, we're no longer walking as a healthy believer. We're far from it. If you wake up in the morning and the first thing on your mind is thinking about how somebody offended you or that you mistrust them, that they're abusive or that they've got some manipulative plan then you're not, you're, not, you're not walking in a healthy way. Your mind is dominated by something else. And that's not good. And you don't want anybody to own you that way. And of course, the, love, the devil just laughs. 
just loves that when he sees Christians all caught up. Are you stomping around mad at someone today? Oh, no. You certainly got a problem, my friend. I don't care what they have done, but they have stolen more than your money, your time, but they've stolen your heart, and they've stolen your peace. And no one has let them do that but you and me. Truth is, they didn't take it. You're giving it to them. And that is something that really they should never be able to steal. Isn't that right? You know, if, if people can go through torture like they did during World War II, if people can go through amazing, apparently a movie's coming out my father-in-law told me about, it's called Unbroken. I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing that because it, it traces a guy who went through torture during World, II, World War II and went through difficulties and just all kinds of amazing things. But his will, his, his, his heart never wavered and just stayed true. And that, that shows you the power of, of, of an inside saying, you know what? By the help of God, I'm the watchman of my own soul. Nobody can take that from me unless I give it to him, unless I give up. James 3.16 says, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you're going to find disorder in every evil practice. Wow. Envy and selfish ambition. Nobody really wants to talk about those things, but envy always and and selfish things often get um, masqueraded, if you will, or masked by concern. By, well, I'm just, I'm burdened. We use spiritual language to cover over what is really deep down inside is just envy. It's just selfishness working away. And you know what? Only the, and the Holy Spirit will, let, will, will, will point that out if you ask him. Lord, I don't like what's going on. I, don't like, I know I'm out of peace, and, I'm, and it, that person seems to be on my mind all the time, and, and they're, they're owning me. What's going on? Man, if you let the Holy Spirit in, he is ready to let you know. You're envious. You're jealous. You've got selfish ambition that's driving you. Drop it. Drop it where you stand. And don't let the devil or anything else own you anymore. Because you, you cannot begin this process of healing until you do. I've learned over the years that being right isn't always the most important thing. Have you found that to be true? And, you know, in my position as a pastor, you know, a lot of times... You, you know, my life is, 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 you know, focused on communicating truth. And, and, of course, you know, you're going through your whole life trying to determine, okay, doctrine and theology. And, and, and there are times when, you know, men and, and women disagree with one another and how the Bible is applied. And one of the things that I've just learned is to say, you know what, I'm, just, I'm not going to argue with people anymore. I'm just going to live. You know, and so I, I tell my family and I tell others, I say, look, just live your life and thrive. Just thrive. Because there, there's no greater communication of truth than just living it. Am I right? And if you're wrong, I mean, if you're off base on your theology, well, then a tree is known by its fruit. Am I not right? You know, sooner or later, you're going to wake up and go, you know what? That ain't right. I've been preaching the wrong thing all these years. And it's funny because I've seen men do that. I prayed with a man one time. Went down to Brownsville, 
Florida, I guess it is. Brownsville? Not Brownsville. There's another Brown something in Florida. But anyway, uh, went down there for a big, huge revival. And this guy had come from a church that was secessionist. In other words, they did not believe that the gifts were for today. And he had believed that all his life. He was a theologian par excellence, graduated from uh, that big, oh, shoot, what is the name of that seminary down in Texas, in Dallas, Dallas Theological Seminary. There it is. And so, and I knew he was steeped in that. So he came to me. He has since passed away and is going to be with Jesus. But he came to me, and I was a much younger pastor, and he almost whispered in my ear. He said, I no longer believe the things that I was taught. And he almost confessed it like it was shameful. And I just looked at him and I said, welcome to the team, brother. I, you know, I mean, I didn't want to, you know, embarrass him or anything, but I just basically said, well, it's about time. But anyway, I just embraced him and loved on him. And and he just was amazed as he watched God heal people and do some amazing things. He just was sitting there and watching. He just, it was just kind of like that revelation. Here he was, you know, a a tower of theological belief and, and preaching against who I was and what I taught and what, the way I looked at Scripture. And, and now he was changing. It was amazing. And so a lot of times, you know, God, God will shift us. And the things that we've been pounding on our drums, and sometimes we just got to back off and just say, you know what, God, I've been really investing a lot of emotion and time on this one particular belief and thought, but is this what you believe? I mean, sometimes it just, it's as simple as that. You know, we're getting ready to go into the polls uh, here this coming week. Oh, you're going, oh, I knew he was going to do it. Not really, but at the back tables, there are some voter guides. You know, I can tell you to do that. And this is what I can tell you to do. And that is, you know what? Go with, go with Jesus, all right? And think about what Jesus would do. Think about when we think of the people, obviously there's no one perfect out there when we think of politics, but you know what? I want to know that at the end of the day that I've, I've asked Jesus about it and I've done my very best to intelligently, conscientiously, and in the fear of God, made a choice the best one the way I knew how. Not what anybody else has told me. Not going along with the stream or the flow or any other thing other than I want to be able to stand before God and say, Lord, that I did my part in standing up for what was right and true. And as you've heard me say before, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So when you go to vote, seek first the kingdom of God. Pretty easy way to, way to put it. I'm not going to get into the issues. I'll let you discern that. You've heard me speak before, and so, again, just take time. Don't let anybody bully, bully you. Do what's right. Again, when we talk about people that want to judge you on your past or judge you on the things that are silly and, and they have that jealousy and that mistrust, you know, you can only do so much for people like that. Is, am I right? You can only do so much. But you, as Paul said, and I love this verse, it's not included in your notes, but it says, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. As far as it depends upon you. That means I can't change their attitude, right? I mean, I, I mean if a person chooses to not like me, I can't do anything about that. I mean, you, you can do your best, 
But what I have found is that, man, you can be nice, you can be polite, you can do the song and dance, and they still don't like you. So it's like, well, I'm just going to pray for you that you get a revelation. And that is, your issue is much deeper than me. So I'm sharing some things with you I believe that are going to help you in your mind and your thinking. Let's finish with Romans chapter 12, and it says this. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Don't do that. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, oh, I guess I do have it in here, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. When it comes to your enemies, when it comes to relationships, our desire should be, look, my, my whole point is that, or my desire is to try to outserve the other one. You want to release the love and respect of people, then outlove them. Because what you do is you unlock inside them that desire to love you back. But if you try to shake love out of people, squeeze love out of people, demand love out of people, it doesn't work. Have you noticed that? It just doesn't work. Jesus said, the greatest among you should be the servant of all. And he understood that that would translate into one who is loved the most. Because you've earned it. Am I right? All right. Let's stand up this morning and let's pray. Amen. If I could have our prayer teams please come at this time. Amen. And I want to encourage you. God, I, I really believe that we're coming into the season, and, and, and I believe we, we live in this place, because you've heard me say it before, but because I don't want it to sound trite, but I really believe that, I'll tell you, that God is ready to heal us. We have seen healings in our church, and we're a praying church, and I love that, but you know, you should not suffer, not even one minute, without knowing that you can come and have somebody pray for you, be anointed with oil. The scripture says, if there's any sick among you, let them call upon the elders of the church, and let them lay hands on you. The prayer of faith is going to make you well. Amen? So, don't leave today if you've got a sickness or, or even if you're standing with someone. You, you need to get prayer. Now, when it comes to our, our minds today, the best place to start is just to submit and surrender your mind to God. You know, we don't need to get into, right back into that trap of, oh, I just need to capture my mind. I, I got to do, do, do. No. It all begins with surrender. It all begins to just say, you know what, God, I have tried my best to bring peace to my mind. Best thing to do is just give up and just say, God, come. So let's do that right now. Lord, we thank you that you're here today. Lord, and I'm trusting that you led me to share this message because there were some, at least one person in this room today, Lord, who needed to hear it. Lord, we want a healthy soul. Our spirit is perfect in you. Our bodies, of course, Lord, are breaking down and we're going to be given a new body one day. But Lord, we also have this thing called the soul. And Lord, it is there, in that very place, God, in our mind, in our will, our emotions, where you want us to experience the abundant life Yes, healing in our bodies, and I'm grateful for that. Yes, Lord, 
bringing our spirits from death to life. But today, Lord, let our souls find joy in God, the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's more powerful than a pill. Lord, more encouraging, God, than therapy. Lord, it will change and transform us, and we can walk in a peace. Again, it's inexplicable. So, Lord, right now, we invite you to come. Just every head bowed and every eye closed. We come and we ask you, Lord, would you come and fill us up? Holy Spirit, would you come and fill our minds with the joy of the Lord right now, the fruit of the Spirit? Lord, just come and work in us. Lord, we want to drop, Lord, our unforgiveness towards people. Lord, we ask you to come and to forgive our sin. And Lord, let us believe it. That when you say it is finished, it's done. That Lord, if there is something in our past that God that still is bringing shame to us, still bringing darkness, a cloud, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I just speak over your people that by your blood, Lord, you just wash that away. That all guilt and shame be gone in Jesus' name. Because of what you did, Jesus, there on the cross. And Lord, if we harbor any, Lord, bitterness toward an individual, God, if there's someone, Lord, that we're angry with, God, someone that we just refuse to let go, Lord, help us. Lord, we don't want to be in agreement with the enemy. We want to be in agreement with you. So, Lord, by choice, even though we don't feel it today, we choose and we say, I forgive. I release that person in Jesus' name. Do it right now. To see them in your mind's eye and say, I forgive you. I release you. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, right now, as we're before God, if there's anyone in this room today, and if you're not for certain that if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven, if you're not, if you don't have that confidence, I only have to take it one quick moment to assure the Bible says there in John these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life the Bible's written as a message of hope concluded with a decision will you choose the forgiveness of God will you choose heaven because it's offered to you today as a free gift if that's you you want me to pray for you would you raise your hand up Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Anyone else? Yes, I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes, sir. All right. Real quickly, under your breath, right where you are, just say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to wash me of all of my sins. And I say yes to it. I thank you for it. One act forgives all sin. I ask you to help me to follow you all the rest of the days of my life. Come into my mind. Lead me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Teach me your ways. In Jesus' name.